All right, Crossroads, buckle up. We're about to go on a wild ride. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, I'm really glad that you are here with us today uh, in this room here in Goshen, Indiana. We have to welcome everybody in St. Pete, Mishawaka, online, drive-in church. Let's give them a welcome. Let's let them know we love them. We're all in this together today. Before we dive in, there is one thing that I'm sticking to the script on today that I need to address. It's that important. Uh, at every location, we're passing out these volunteer cards today, and it's because we are gearing up to go to the next level. We're up in our game in all of our ministries this fall. As we get through the summer, as we get back to full strength this fall, the realization is that as the crowds come back, here's what's been lagging behind. It's people getting back in the habit of volunteering and serving in ministry. And here at Crossroads, we've got core values. Number one, we connect people with Jesus. That's our mission, that's our focus, that's the why behind everything we do. Uh, another value we have is we celebrate the change. We celebrate when someone encounters Jesus and he changes their life. Is anybody excited about that today? We celebrate those moments in a big way. And just another plug, we're having a huge celebration on Father's Day, June 20th. We have a bunch of people already signed up for celebrating changed lives and baptisms. And you guys, that excites me. And I'm not going to shy away from this. Dads, I'm going there. It's time to take that next step in your faith. If you haven't been baptized, Take that step of obedience, be baptized, and oh, by the way, talk to your kids about being baptized. Take them through that journey. Help them take that next step. Let's have a bunch of dads being baptized and baptizing their kids on Father's Day. Who's with me? Let's make that an amazing reality. I'm looking forward to that. But the final value that we have here is we contribute to the community. And that means that we serve. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And God has given us all gifts and abilities that he wants. He created us to, to use for him and for his glory. And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, now's the time. I encourage you, fill out this form, turn it in at the lobby, wherever you're at on the way out today. And let's get engaged in what God is doing. We're having a, a pretty big uh, uh, rally here on June 27th uh, for everyone who's volunteering in ministry. We're, we're casting vision for the future, and we're basically just having a great time together. Word on the street is there's going to be a DJ there. So you should sign up to volunteer just so you can be invited to that party. That's really what it comes down to. It's that good. So get engaged. This is where life is lived to the fullest. This is where you get most out of the Crossroads family. Are you with me? Who's with me? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. <laughs> now let's go off script. Let's go completely off the rails here. Uh, I want to talk to you today about something that God has been speaking to me this week that I, I could not get away from and that I realized last night at 10 o'clock that I needed to go all in and just share with you. So I just typed it all up. I was up pretty late. It was pretty awesome. I'm already on my fourth diet due this morning, just for everyone who's tracking that. Um, and the reality is, I really want you just to listen to what God speaks into your heart as we unpack uh, this story in Scripture today. And I want you to just be thinking about the question, what broken dream do you need to surrender to God? Can we just start there? What broken dream do you need to surrender to God? I think uh, typically 
in the past when we've talked about broken dreams here at Crossroads, a lot of times that's uh, from the perspective of I've encountered something in my life that was unexpected. I had this dream for my life and, and God did something completely different and you're dealing with, with hurt, you're dealing with loss and you're trying to navigate the reality of, of life looking differently than you thought it would. That's important, and we have to learn how to navigate those things. Those, those moments in life, those trials that we walk through, they help stretch and grow our faith. They're not easy, but God uses them for a purpose. He helps us mature and grow as we navigate those times in life. That's typically what we talk about when we're talking about broken dreams, but today I want to talk about it from a different angle, and this is what I haven't been able to shake this week. It's the reality that sometimes we are chasing dreams that are broken, and they're broken because there are dreams. They're, they are not the dreams that God has for us. And they're taking us down a path that God doesn't want us to go down. But the trap that we get sucked into is that we try to start manipulating God. We try to make him come alongside our dream and make sure everything's okay and make it look fine and everything's going to be okay. And we think we can control that situation. And we don't realize that God is, is calling us to align our dreams with his dreams. He's got a path that he's prepared for you, where your life will be lived to the fullest, where you'll be walking in the center of who you create, he created you to be. And I think that the only way we experience that is by giving up our dreams, our broken dreams, that are centered on our own, on our own selfishness, our own desires, and instead surrendering that broken dream to Jesus and letting his dream for our lives be, become our dreams for our lives. I just want you to consider that. What broken dream in your life do you need to surrender to Jesus? We're taking a look today at a story in the Old Testament that I can't stop thinking about, and so that's why I have to talk about it today. It's found in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 22, and you're like, Numbers? I've heard of Numbers before. Yes, if you made it through Leviticus, Numbers is the book that killed your, you read through the year, you know, yearly Bible plan. Uh, you, you probably got shut down in Numbers. And you're like, oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I think that's terrible. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Numbers. There's just a lot of random information in the book of Numbers. But there's also some really important stuff. That's why I should read through the Bible uh, and not give up in Numbers. But the reality is, the story that we're, we're leaning into today is the story of Balaam. Balaam, in, in Numbers 22, is a prophet that we stumble on, and it's just kind of an odd story from start to finish, because he is considered a prophet. He's considered someone who, who speaks to the gods, and the gods speak through him, and yet Balaam is a prophet that lives in a universe completely outside of the Israelites and God's chosen people. In fact, in the book of Numbers, the people of God, the Israelites, they have escaped Egypt. God has miraculously parted the Red Sea, got them their freedom, offered them the hope and the promise of, of this promised land that he had given them, but they were hesitant. All they saw were giants. They said, there's no way we can beat these people. And because they didn't trust God, because they didn't obey, because they didn't follow the plan that God had for them, they were stuck wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That was their punishment. That was the price they had to pay for, for not following God's plan for them. And so this is the time in Israel's history where they're just wandering. And it's, it's all kinds of difficult situations that they face. There's all kinds of complaining. They do not like where they are at. And yet, 
They are still God's chosen people. They are still his dearly loved, prized possession. They are still walking in the blessing of God. I I hope that you don't miss that. Even though they were facing difficulties, even though there was a lot of stuff that they were having to deal with that they did not enjoy, they were still God's chosen people. They were still unequivocally walking in his blessing and in his favor. And I want you to remember today as we're talking through this, a lot of times it doesn't feel like we're walking in God's blessing and favor because it, life isn't unfolding the way that we think it should or the way we thought it would. But I want you to know, if, listen to me, if you've said yes to Jesus, he has placed his name on you. You are his child. You walk in his blessing and in his favor. He is, he is with you. He is not forsaken you. He fights for you. Don't, don't ever forget that. And the plan that he has for you, it's a plan that has eternity in mind. God really does. He sees farther down the road than any of us ever possibly could. That's why he's God and we're not. And I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. I just want you to know you are a dearly loved child of God. He loves you like crazy and he's with you. All right? He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. So the Israelites, even though they'd find themselves in a place they didn't really want to be, it's, they're wandering for 40 years, they're getting to the end of this time. They're close to actually being able to go into the promised land, and God has blessed them. They've continued to grow in numbers. I mean, it, it describes them as being too numerous to count. There were so many of them. They were just, they, they were multiplying like crazy. And I don't know how to say that. I mean, maybe it's like the rabbit gene. I don't know what was going on there, but they were multiplying like crazy. That's all we know in the Bible. They were multiplying like crazy. And, and God was blessing them, and he was giving them victory even while they were wandering. And so it says in Numbers 22 that while they were wandering, they were still blessed. They were still victorious. And one of the kings of the nations that was right beside them now, Moab, recognizes they are a threat. They are going to wipe us out. We need some help. And so it says, Balak, the king of Moab, he sends people to Balaam, this prophet who lives outside of the universe of Israel, outside of God's chosen people. This guy who makes a living through divination and sorcery. He speaks to the gods. He tells people what they want to hear. He, for the right amount of money, he blesses someone you want blessed, and he'll curse someone that you want to be cursed. Balaam's job is as a manipulator of people, a manipulator of the gods. He's found his niche in this place in history where people come to him for advice, for a blessing, for a curse, and for the right amount of money, you can get just about anything you need. It's a pretty sweet gig for Balaam, all right? Except that he's never encountered the actual one true God. And so in this story, you see an incredible surprise for Balaam. Because Balak, the king of Moab, comes to him, sends a contingency of people who say to Balaam, uh, the king of Moab would like to see you. He would like you to come to him. He's going to offer you a lot of money to curse the Israelites. And so Balaam's response is, all right, uh, let's see what we've got here. Spend the night, and I'll give you my answer in the morning. He's kind of playing. I'm like, well, let me think about it. He's, yeah, he's just trying to figure out his price. It says in Numbers 22, that night God came to Balaam and asked him, who are these men visiting you? Balaam said to God, Balak, the king of Moab has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from my land. 
But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. This is God actually speaking to Balaam, this prophet who lives outside of the universe of God's chosen people. This is God meeting with the prophet of all of these foreign countries who were far from him. This is God going out of his way to provide for his people, doing something that the Israelites would have never known about otherwise. This is God moving and working in ways we never would have imagined or dreamed. The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak's officials, go on home, the Lord will not let me go with you. This is a shift for Balaam. Remember, he is the prophet for hire. He will bless who you want blessed. He will curse who you want cursed for the right amount of money. He can make it happen. He can manipulate the gods. He can make it happen. But not in this situation. He encountered the creator, God. Something was different here. And he realizes, I am powerless to bless or curse these people unless their God says I can do this. It's different. So that's the message he sends back to Balak, and Balak is not giving up. It says he sends a larger, more important group of people. So I don't know what that says about the first group of people. He like sends the B team like, hey, Balaam, can you come bless us? I, and I don't know what that means. Uh, the next group was just a sharper group of people. I have no idea. I literally, I don't know what that means. Read into that what you want. They offer him more money, and yet, Balaam gives them the same answer. You guys, it doesn't matter. He says, if, if Balak gives me his palace filled with gold and silver, I am powerless to do anything because this God is different. This is a very interesting moment. And it says in, in Numbers, it says, that night God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But then he says, very importantly, but do only what I tell you to do. I mean, God is actually using Balaam this shifty sorcerer, person of divination who's always been out for his own good. He's a, a, a master manipulator. He's in it for himself, driven by greed. It's all about the bottom line for Balaam. Yet God's actually speaking through Balaam in this moment. It's a very strange situation. And so he begins to go with them, but he's in for a big surprise it says, the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going. He recognized that Balaam was still in it for himself. Balaam was still trying to figure out how he could manipulate the situation for his own benefit. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. I'm going to be honest. When I start reading this story as it unfolds, I picture like a scene from the movie Shrek. I'm not going to lie to you. That, that's what I start to see. Like, I just see Shrek yelling, donkey! I, I, just, I, just, I, I don't know why. That's where my mind goes. You just need to know that about me. But recognize something really important here. The angel of God appears in this moment. This is like a physical representation of God himself. The presence of God is intricately involved in this situation. And he wants to stop Balaam from going to mess things up 
this is all about the blessing of Israel. Mind you, Balaam is not a prophet of God. He's an evil, wicked man. But God's still trying to use him to, to allow his blessing of Israel to keep unfolding. Balaam has no idea what's going on. His donkey, donkey's going down the trail. All of a sudden, he's in a field. He goes, ah! Gets off, beats his donkey, gets it back on the road. Donkey! <laughs> then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Are you kidding me, donkey? I mean, it, you do have to feel a little bit bad for Balaam here, right? Like, he's just riding along, narrow spot. All of a sudden, your donkey rams you into the wall, crushes your foot. It's painful, right? Like, it hurts. Feet are tender. Give it up for Balaam. Come on now. He's struggling. Last night, I was playing basketball outside with my two boys. They are 13 and 11 now. I still take them on in flip-flops. I just want you to know that, and I still win. Uh, mostly because against the 13-year-old, I'm pretty much Shaquille O'Neal, so there it is. It's cheating. Uh, it's all fun and games until my 13-year-old jumps for a rebound and lands on my foot in flip-flops. I'm going, oh, why? It's painful. That's all I'm saying. It's painful. Okay. Are you kidding me, donkey? Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. It just, it stopped. <laughs> it laid down. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. I mean, he's done. It's time to trade in this donkey for a new one. This one's not working out. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. This is Shrek coming to life, by the way. I mean, this is real life. This is the first miracle. I mean, think about this now. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. Balaam is in such a rage, mind you that he starts having a conversation with a donkey and doesn't even think about it. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't matter. Have you ever been there? This doesn't make sense. I don't care, I'm angry. What have I done to you to deserve you beating me three times, it asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. What a weird conversation. <laughs> what a weird story. And then it says, uh, then it says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. It's the second miracle. This is what I can't shake. This is what God's been speaking to me this week. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell down, face down on the ground before him. And then another really, another really random conversation happens. 
Yeah, the angel of God says, why did you beat your donkey those three times? That's, that's just an amazing question for God to ask him in this moment. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me, shied away. Otherwise, I would have certainly killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. Man, I can't shake that. I, man, I, and I don't know why. I'm telling you, I was up <laughs> last night putting all this together because I can't shake that encounter that, that Balaam has with God. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He realized he was on a path that God was actively opposing. He didn't realize it. He didn't know. And Balaam's not even a good guy. But he has an amazing encounter with God. Man, that applies to every, every single one of us. I think the cry of my heart is that God will just open our eyes Let us see who he is, what he's trying to do. Help us come to the realization that, man, if, if I'm chasing a dream, if I'm going down a path that he doesn't want me going down, that I'm willing to open my eyes and see that. Because the reality is I think we chase dreams that are our own. We don't realize that God's standing in the way. In fact, I'd ask you, what, what dreams in your life are broken. I mean, that's what we're talking about. What, what broken dream do you need to surrender to God today? You've been going down a path that's of your own choosing. It's your own dream. All the motives are wrong. It's all about you. In Balaam's case, it was all about greed. There's only about three or four core things that drive any of us. It's pleasure, possessions, power, prestige. If you're chasing a dream and those are your motives, it's not God's dream for you. I'm sorry. And you might find yourself in a place just like Balaam where God is actively blocking your path. And you're wondering, why, why am I being tossed out in a field right now? What, what is happening? You might find yourself crushed up against the wall. Why am I being, what is happening right now? might find your plan coming to a screeching halt and you have no idea. You can't, you can't figure it out. And maybe, just maybe, it's God trying to get your attention and saying, that, that's your plan. It's not my plan. And I guarantee you I have something better for you than what you could ever dream or imagine. That's what it says in Scripture. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love him. I show God I love him by being obedient to him. I show God I love him by surrendering all of my attitudes, my actions, my thoughts, my dreams to him. His dream, his path for you is better than any path you could choose for yourself. Balaam, he had his eyes opened. He didn't realize that God was standing in his way. The thing about Balaam, though, is, man, God got his attention there. He surely did. When he went to Balak, he uh, surprised Balak because Balak brought him in to, 
to curse the Israelites, and Balaam pretty much said, no, God isn't going to let me do that today. Uh, They are certainly blessed and not cursed, and instead of cursing the Israelites, he ends up blessing them, and Balaam does not like this. In fact, Balaam even prophesies about the Messiah. He prophesies about Jesus. Balaam prophesies about Jesus, this evil, wicked prophet. He encounters God in such a way that God speaks through him in that moment. It's extraordinary. But Balaam was still out for himself. Well, he recognized he was, he was in fact, talking with and communicating with creator God, who he was powerless to oppose. He still tried to manipulate the situation. And while he realized he couldn't curse the Israelites, he still actively worked with Balak to try to trick them and deceive them, get them off the path that God wanted them to be on. And that's what he ended up doing. That's how Balaam ended up making his money. The Moabites ended up trying to deceive the Israelites, get them away from who God had called them to be, and it worked. Caused problems for the Israelites over the next few years. And what's interesting about Balaam is that he recognized he was on a path that God opposed He had an encounter with God, but he still thought that he could manipulate the situation. He still thought he was untouchable. He still thought he could get away with whatever it was that was his plan and his dream. What's interesting is that if you read through a few more chapters in in Numbers, and again, very few of you have because this is the plan that killed your daily Bible reading schedule. I understand that. Numbers 31, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, On behalf of the people of Israel, take revenge on the Midianites and the Moabites for leading them into idolatry. And so it says, they attacked Midian as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed all the men. All five of the Midianite kings died in battle. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. I mean, this was his his final destination because he kept chasing his own dream. He actually encountered God, the angel of the Lord. He He was able to speak to the angel of the Lord. And while that got his attention, while it made him change his behavior for a a few moments, he still went back to chasing his own dream, chasing his own way, still thought he could manipulate the situation and, and make the God of the universe align to his dreams instead of aligning his dreams to the God of the universe. And so you think, well, okay, cool story, bro. Uh, this isn't just some, you know, blip in the radar. Like, well, that's a weird story. I never heard of that before. Balaam is actually mentioned three times in the New Testament. And what you realize is that there is a spirit uh, of Balaam. There, there is something about him and the struggle that he had that we have to continue fighting. Because when we chase after our own dreams, when we're driven by selfishness, when we're driven by our own desire to fulfill the dreams that we have, whether that be driven by possessions or pleasure, power, prestige, that never leads us to the path that God has planned for us. I never live life to the fullest when I'm chasing my own dream instead of God's dream. And it speaks to that in in the New Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes this regarding false teachers, teachers who would would teach you to live a life different than what God actually is calling you to live. Peter writes, they have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course 
when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. I love that actually made second piece. The story of the talking donkey made it in the, in the New Testament. That's fantastic. In Jude, a book in the Bible that is one chapter, verse 11, in, in referencing people who, who pervert the grace of God, he is specifically teaching about uh, people who say, hey, uh, God has paid the price for our sin. Now we can just sin and do whatever because he's paid the price for our sin. Jude is saying th- this is not the life that God has called you to live. Th- this is not uh, what God has intended. You can't think this way. And in response to this philosophy that the early church was fighting, he says, what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceived people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Another Old Testament story reference. I mean, there's this, this, this spirit that is tied to Balaam that we continually have to fight. We, we cannot fall into the trap of chasing our own dream, thinking that somehow we have the ability to manipulate God into joining our dream instead of aligning myself with the dreams that God has for me. And again, that is what repentance is. It's when I change my mind and when I say, no, God, I'm not going to live my way. I turn from what I'm doing and I turn to what Jesus is doing. I stop living my life chasing my own broken dream that doesn't lead me anywhere. And instead, I align myself with God's dream. I align my dreams with the kingdom of heaven. Who Jesus is, who he is calling me to be. That's what God's calling us to do. What, what broken dream do you need to surrender to Jesus? I mean, what's amazing is, is the final reference to Balaam is actually found in Revelation chapter 2. This is where they're writing church, uh, letters to the seven churches. And one of those churches is the church in Pergamum. This is what it says in Revelation 2, 12 through 17. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword that This is God himself, the God of justice, the God of righteousness. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. He's referencing Pergamum. This is the ancient capital of Asia. This is where emperor worship is happening at its finest. I mean, they are starting to worship and and call people divine. This is the center for that. He says, you refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. It's an early martyr of the Christian church who was brutally murdered for his faith in Jesus. But then it says this, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Bottom line is, he thought he could manipulate God. He thought, well, God, if I can't curse them, I'll, I'll trick them. I'll, I'll get my own way. I'll get paid. He says, in a similar way, you have people among you following the same teaching. He says, repent of your sin. Turn away from that broken dream. Stop pursuing things that just fulfill your own selfish desires. Repent. Change your mind on this. Align your dream with God's dream. Or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. 
That is the sound of Jesus calling right now. <laughs> there is a phone that rang in here if you're watching online or somewhere else. <laughs> now that makes sense. <laughs> hey, what broken dream do you need to surrender to God? I mean, what we're talking about here is the heart of repentance. It's making sure that the things that you're chasing after align with the kingdom of heaven. That you're not finding yourself walking down a path that God is actively opposing. I mean, can you just think about that for a second? The ramifications of that situation in your life. What broken dream do you need to surrender to God? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm just going to ask you to have a moment with Jesus today. I think it's that simple. If he's been speaking to you, I just ask that you respond with obedience and with surrender. I'm amazed that Balaam, this evil prophet, even Balaam had a moment where the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he realized God was standing in the road to block his way. What dream have you been chasing? You just haven't realized God was standing in your way, but you're realizing it's time to stop trying to make God align with my dreams. It's time to align the dreams that I'm chasing with God's plan for my life, with his dreams for me. Don't hold on to your own dreams. That path isn't going to lead you anywhere. If God's opening your eyes right now to something that is in your life that you need to give to him, don't hold on to it. Let it go. Draw close to Jesus in this moment. He will draw close to you. May in this moment you choose to align your dreams with the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, I thank you today for who you are, for the incredible love that you have for us that even in the good times and even in the bad times, there's the recognition that uh, we are your children. We are called by your name. We walk in your blessing. You have placed your name on us. And I don't think you take that lightly. And it's our responsibility, Jesus, just to approach you with a spirit of surrender, the posture of obedience, and make sure that we're aligning ourselves with who you are and who you're calling us to be. And so, God, may that be the, the attitude and the spirit of our hearts today. Jesus, may we align our lives with you. May we just say yes to you today, Jesus. God, for all you've done, we give you thanks for all you're going to do, for the dreams that you have for us. We just give you praise. We pray this in your name. Amen.